Hi, we're Donnie and Chelsea. We're best friends, mortal enemies, and the hosts of I Am The Cute One. On our show, we'll chat movies, gossip about pop culture and current events, but mostly we'll overshare, trauma dump, and embarrass ourselves publicly. After all, we're millennials, so we've been living and laughing and loving through unprecedented events every few years our entire lives. So if talking is your love language, subscribe to I Am The Cute One. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With each mortgage-free home, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes that put their lives on the line for all of us, risking their lives for our country and our communities. These heroes need your help now more than ever. Help America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. If you spent your weekend like I did, then you went back to the movies. That's right. You spent your time getting in line, going to get you one of those high-ass IMAX tickets, buying you some bunch of crunch and a large cherry Coke. You went in there and you sat down and you got ready to watch the first movie that you've seen inside of a movie theater for over a year and that movie was black widow of course only disney only marvel could bring us out of the house in these numbers and this movie is about to smash pandemic box office records we all know that that's no secret you know what let's just go ahead and get into it let's talk about it i want to talk about uh my thoughts about going back my thoughts about the movie my experience inside the theater and i want to talk about that post credit scene it's your weekly bonus is this the second one bonus episode of me and you the housewives and marvel 2 let's do it hey guys This is the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture and your mama's favorite black geek. I'm Kendrick, host of the Me and You, The Housewives, and Marvel 2 podcast. A podcast that, through my own random and winding rants, discusses everything related to pop culture. Everything from reality TV, to the MCU, to the DCEU, to all of the hot topics being discussed on CNN, NBC, BET, ABC, and 123. Grab your wine glass, sit back, and get ready to cuss and fuss right along with me. Woo! (laughs) 
Every time I see, <laughs> that's so stupid. Every time I see Florence Pugh, I start singing that song for some reason. If you've never seen Mid, I call it Midsommar, but if you've never seen Midsummer, watch the movie. It's weird. It's creepy. It's everything else you need it to be. I love that movie so much. I watch it just like randomly, periodically, every now and then, you know, I'd watch it. I sing that song every single time she pops up on my TV screen, and I don't know why, but it, it's a I'm, it's a creature of habit now. And now that she's in this movie, I feel like I'm gonna randomly sing that song on this podcast now. If you've never seen it, watch it. That song will make a lot more sense. It's a stupid ass, <laughs> a stupid song, but you get my drift. You guys, Thursday night, Black Widow was released in theaters. And I happily took my black behind to the IMAX here in Memphis, Tennessee. I got me a big old cherry Coke, no ice. I got me, they didn't have Bunch of Crunch. I lied about the Bunch of Crunch. I was so upset. Lord, I was upset. I just knew they had some Bunch of Crunch for me because that's the one thing I'm willing to spend money on when I go to the movie theaters, a little Bunch of Crunch. I wanted some Bunch of Crunch. They didn't have it. I settled for the little the little bag of, you know, they have the bag of the bags of Snickers. You know, they got a, it comes in a bag, but then they're like individually wrapped. And, you know, it's a lot. You make a whole lot of noise in the damn theater, but that's okay. That's not my problem. I pay my money just like everybody else, okay? Y'all lucky I didn't come in there with some uh <laughs> some leftovers. You know, I fried chicken around here, okay? I would have came in there and set it off in there. Listen, the theater was a lot more packed than I expected it to be. I won't lie. So with IMAX, you know, you get to pick your seat ahead of time. Anytime I go to IMAX, which was, you know, pre-COVID, and I was going to the movies quite often. You know, I consider myself a movie buff. I love to watch just any anything that comes down to theaters. I always pick the seats that are like the couple seats. So... They're like the ones, you know, there's the, the the theater, basically. And then on each side, there's like two seats, two seats, two seats, two seats. I always get one of those, and I usually have it to myself, okay? Unless I'm going with somebody. I don't sure. Look, the theater is kind of like my thing. I like going to the theater by myself. I know that's weird. I know some people will never do that, but I like to do a lot of things by myself. So don't judge me. Judge your mammy, okay? I went a lot more crowded than I thought it was going to be. You know, every time, oh, Lord, <laughs> listen, I'm still getting in the habit of going outside, okay? I'm still getting in the habit of being around a lot of people. I know I have been vaccinated for months now, but it is still an adjustment, okay? I still don't necessarily trust that the vaccine is going to do what it needs to do every single time. You know, I feel like some people just got a cough so strong that, you know, I it, it's just going to get in me somehow. I don't know through my earlobes or through my, my fingertips or through my, my patella. I don't know. It's going to get in somehow. And it, it it frightens me. I just do a little shivering and shaking every time I'm out. I was in Target. I was the only motherfucker in there today <laughs> with a mask on. But you know what? I have my mask on. They're not going to play with me because I don't think all of them are vaccinated. That's one thing, okay? I think they just out here taking advantage of Tennessee being a raggedy-ass state. Just saying. Every time somebody in there coughed or anything, that little, ooh, anytime they coughed, I was just, 
uh, it didn't ruin the experience for me. I'll say that. All that damn coughing. Ooh, all that coughing didn't ruin the experience for me. I will say that. But I had a great time. Marvel is definitely something you want to experience on a big screen, especially somebody like me. I'm, you know, obviously I'm a diehard Marvel fan. I love the comics. I watch the movies every single, you know, the night they come out, uh, usually multiple times, not the same night, but you know what I mean? It's something that you always want to experience. I try to always experience it in IMAX if I can, especially this movie. Cause it had, you know, a little extended footage in the IMAX version. So you know, it, it it did what it needed to do. I was happy to be back. This wasn't necessarily the movie I needed to experience with other people, but Black Widow was a hell of a movie. Like, Endgame, you'll never get another experience like that. Well, hopefully they'll give us another experience like that, you know, in five years. I don't know, however many more years, but it, it's hard to describe. I don't know. Like, Endgame, you know, that was the moment, you know, we're all cheering in the theaters and all that kind of stuff. That's a really, like, big movie experience. Any other kind of movie that's like a set, a standalone film or a solo or, you know, something like that, you don't necessarily need to experience. Like, Black Panther 2, I imagine us having to have the theater experience because I can see, like, a lot of different characters playing really big parts. But, you know... This kind of movie, we were introduced to a lot of new characters. So we didn't necessarily, I don't know. It's weird. I wouldn't have had it any other way. I was going to see it in movie theaters regardless. So that's neither here nor there. I don't know why I'm even bringing that up. But you, if you saw, you, you understand what I'm saying. Nevertheless, let me just give my kind of overall thoughts first. And then I'll dig into the movie a little deeper. This movie is filled with action scenes, so I can't... You know, I can't dive into it as deeply as I would dive into like a Loki episode or a WandaVision episode, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, but I can dive into it to the best of my ability. Okay. There's still a lot that happened. I'll just, you know, briefly describe the action scenes. And then of course, I'm going to talk about that post credit scene because that post credit scene did what it needed to do. So this movie is the perfect blend of Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Atomic Blonde. Now, if you've never seen Atomic Blonde, please go watch it. I love that movie so much. And y'all know that Captain America, Winter Soldier will forever be my favorite MCU movie. Like, it's going to be hard to top that. Like, that movie just from start to finish is a masterpiece to me. I love Winter Soldier so much. It's effortless. All the action I need. Uh, the the writing and the dialogue it just moves at a, such a succinct pace. It's I don't know. It's everything about that movie. Like you can't really say anything bad about that movie. We met Anthony Mackie in that movie. Scarlett Johansson, you know, was uh kicking it with uh child <laughs> kicking it with Captain America a lot more. You know, it, 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 everything about the movie. I just I love it. But Atomic Blonde, we got a lot of like. Atomic Blonde-esque fight scenes in this, especially because of the setting. I feel like that's what kind of puts you in the mind of it. But if you take those two movies and combine them, you get Black Widow. Plus, it felt a little... I'll talk about some of the other references that I pulled from it a little bit later on. But, man, man, oh, man. I've complained a lot about the lack of, you know, coordinated fight stunts 
end, low key, whatever you want to call it. I've complained about it a lot. You know, I don't necessarily need everything to be action packed because I really, I really don't. As long as it tells a good story, like WandaVision certainly wasn't action packed, but I was hooked on WandaVision from start to finish. I just, I need, I need something. And so Loki didn't necessarily have all of that every time, but you know, it's more so telling a story for us. It's doing a lot of setting up. It's doing the big implications, all that kind of stuff. So you know what? Black Widow did what it needed to do to cover all bases with Loki. See, they were smart to put these out at the same time because now Marvel is like, okay, we've been telling a story over these six weeks with Loki, but here's the action that I'm sure y'all are going to complain about at some point. Now, am I complaining? Damn sure am. But you gave me something to, you know, it was a big-ass Band-Aid, not just a little, you know, you know they say you put a Band-Aid over cancer or something like that. No, you, you, you did, you removed the tumor, so okay, I'm good. I'm going into the... Week six of Loki with a clear head, clear mind. I'm happy about, you know, the state of Marvel. I'm always happy about the state of Marvel. I won't lie. But it just, I feel replenished. This movie was so good. It was just good. It just, it it, it rolled off your tongue like butter. It was good. I just loved, I loved it from start to finish. The action sequences in this movie, so, 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 so good. Florence Pugh. So, 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 so good. David Harbour, so, 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 so good. Uh, Rachel Wise, so, 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 so good. Everybody just, it all blends together. The post credit scene was great. The final act was like very big, just like, uh, well, I was going to say just like Avengers Endgame, but not that big, but you know what I mean. It was, the final act was action, action, action packed, but still, you know, wrapped up this story the way it needed to. And it made me feel like, we got justice for Natasha. Like if they want to do another one to just give us like a spot thriller with uh black widow doing the damn thing again, I'd be all for it. Now, do we need that? Probably not. We really didn't need this one, but I'm glad we got it. When I say we didn't need it, you know, they had already moved on with the damn story. So literally not like emotionally. I mean like literally we didn't need it, but I'm glad we got it anyway. You know what? Let me just jump into the movie a little bit. I'll talk about it, and then I'll get into those post-credit scenes, and then I'll talk about kind of the implications of what this movie could mean going forward for the MCU. We start off in Ohio, 1995. Young Natasha and Yelena are living their little suburban lives with Melina and Alexi, a.k.a. the Red Guardian. Now, for those that don't know, Red Guardian is like the Russian equivalency of Captain America. Basically, you know, he's a super soldier. He has like a similar costume, everything. His story is actually similar to another character that we've seen try to make, you know, try to become a Captain America clone. He became vicious and tormenting and, you know, not Captain America at all. Now, who does this remind you of? John Walker. Now, you know, keep in mind, Good soldiers don't make a Captain America, good men do, which is why Sam was, you know, the right choice to take up the mantle. One day, Alexi comes home from work and lets Melina know that, quote unquote, it's time. They let the girls know it's time for an adventure and they pack and they flee with something that they refer to as the only copy. 
Looks like an old floppy disk that I used to play Avoid the Noid on. Did y'all play Avoid the Noid? The show, the all of it, it creeped me out so much. That's so random, but that game used to scare the shit out of me. I don't know if it was the music or what it was, but or him, like it's a character. I don't know, but that's, that's neither here nor there. They drive to somewhere where they have a plane stashed in like a little raggedy ass bunker. As Melina starts to idle the plane towards takeoff, the cops start arriving and Alexi starts shooting. Chaos ensues and Melina gets shot in the arm while they're trying to take off in the plane and Alexi is on the wing and uh, young Natasha has to fly the plane. Like, it's a whole mess. Ultimately, they get away. They arrive in Cuba and are met by government officials upon touchdown. The girls are taken into custody <laughs> after Natasha almost busts a, a cap in somebody's ass at the age of what? 11, 10, I don't know. To the red room they go. It's also important to note that Drakov is there too, who runs the red room, evil bastard. And the girls are like heavily sedated now, which is standard when they're transporting girls to and from the red room so that they never learn the actual location and can do like Black Widow did and come back and take that shit all the way down. It's now 21 years later and Thunderbolt Ross is on Natasha's ass like back pockets or so he thinks he is. Let me give y'all a little reminder for those who don't know. Obviously, Natasha is dead in our current, you know, MCU timeline. But to be specific, this movie takes place after the events of Captain America Civil War, where King T'Chaka was murdered by Baron Zemo. Uh, T'Challa became king of Wakanda. The Avengers fought against each other. And most importantly, well, I don't know if it's most importantly, but most importantly, the Sokovia Accords were enacted into law. These were the laws that said that the Avengers had to be like governed instead of a free acting body. This movie also, however, <laughs> takes place between the events. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Before the events of Infinity War and uh, Endgame, Natasha calls him when she sees him on the cameras. Remember, she's on the run like the other Avengers who chose not to sign. We heard a lot about this in, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier when Sam was kind of recapping his time away. You know, it's important to remember that, you know, he reminds her that Clint, Scott Lang and some others are in custody already. They discovered that Nat isn't even there. She took off that tracker and she is long gone. Mission is a bust. Let's cut to Morocco where we meet Florence Pugh's character as an adult. Yelena Belova, who is like a Black Widow enemy, villain, frenemy in the comics. She's really like the biggest staple of the Black Widow comics, to be honest. They're chasing after a rogue widow who she stabs, but she sprays her with like this red mist. And then Yelena snaps out of whatever homicidal mindset that they, they have her trapped in, basically. The lady before dying, or the widow before dying, gives Yelena the vials of red mist so that she can release all of the widows from their mental prisons, I guess, that was placed on them inside of the Red Room. In Norway, she meets up with an old friend, Nat, uh, Natasha does, who usually provides her with, like, new identities, weapons, you know, etc. Very James Bond. I like it. Her friend is played by Alfred's husband from The Handmaid's Tale. Y'all know who I'm talking about. 
His name here is Mason, but you know, we, we call him whatever the hell we call him. I haven't, I haven't watched the new season of Handmaid's Tale. I won't lie to you. It, that damn show so depressing. I, I can't do it. After she has a, a power outage that was caused purposely, we learn, she leaves to go elsewhere and a grenade is launched from nowhere at her car. It's Taskmaster. Such a good fucking villain in this movie. This is such a good action scene. And Taskmaster is just a great villain. This character is like an MCU fan's ultimate Easter egg. The character in comics, as I told you on the, the Black Widow pregame episode, can mimic any fighter's moves just by watching them, which we see him doing. He's studying film in this actual movie. We see Taskmaster mimic, you know, her fighting stance, Black Widow. We see him doing some Captain America shield play. We see him doing Clint Barton's archery techniques. Uh, he does the the you know, Chikala, not Chikala, uh, T'Challa, uh, Black Panther stance with the claws and everything. We see all of that. So if you watch these movies enough to recognize a lot of these stance and poses and things, you're in for a treat. Taskmaster is trying to steal the vials that Yelena mailed to Natasha, but she pocketed them right before he, you know, kicked her off the bridge or threw her off the bridge, whatever, and she escaped. Now on to Budapest. Apparently that's the correct pronunciation. They make a big deal about it in this movie. Natasha arrives and goes to an old building. This is what reminds me of Atomic Blonde so much, this one scene. This scene is really why I call this movie like the perfect blend between Winter Soldier and Atomic Blonde. There's literally like a fight scene just like this in Atomic Blonde, but this one is just as good because I talk about the fight scenes in Atomic Blonde all the time, but this one is like no less than anything that they give us in that movie. It also gives me Kill Bill vibes, like that opening scene between Beatrix and uh, Vernita is so good. Like I always think about Vernita throwing that whole bookcase on uh Beatrix on the floor. So top tier action. I love it. After the great sister versus sister action, Natasha asks her about the vials and she says they're like an antidote for mind control. She also drops the bomb that Drakov isn't dead and the red room is alive and well. Apparently Natasha thought she killed him and his daughter, but that bomb apparently wasn't shit. <laughs> Suddenly, boom! The windows, the like, bust out. The ceiling drops. The widows descend on the apartment, and another great action scene ensues that takes them far away from the apartment on motorbikes. While Taskmaster is once again on the scene chasing them in a big ass tank, and the other widows are in hot pursuit as well. They wind up in the railroad system, like underground, and trick Taskmaster into thinking that they went elsewhere. But they're actually hiding in like the ceiling ventilation system that Natasha and Clint hid in while they were there. Listen, we get some backstory that like while they're up there, you know, in the ceiling, we get some backstory that Natasha was actually using Drakov's daughter to lead her to him. So that then her and Clint or whoever can like blow up this building. So basically Natasha, you know, she got some atoning to do. She knows that that's what this whole journey she's been on with the Avengers and this movie and everything has been about. Because we know, you know, one of the things that's always kind of 
talked about but not really gone into detail about is how the character Black Widow has a long like checklist of things she needs to atone for, but we never get into the nitty gritty of the, you know, just how low down and dirty a lot of the stuff is. And now we're seeing it like she was even willing to kill someone's daughter just to get to him. Side note, the banter between Natasha and Florence is so... See, I keep calling this girl Florence. Natasha and Yelena is so damn good throughout this entire movie. I'm glad that we get some, you know, bitch calling and some mocking and some sarcasm all from our main characters. I really love it. The best is when Yelena is mocking Natasha's fighting poses and say, like, they, they give her a minute to mock them too. Like it's hilarious. Cause you know, superhero movies, they are notorious for those long camera shots of them just like posing and looking well heroic. We see Yelena and Natasha having a moment to just like not only catch up and reconnect, but to also detail Dracov's impact. He's still, you know, kidnapping little girls. He's still making black widows. He's still doing all of the evil shit that she tried to stop him from doing in the first place. This is when Natasha goes, you know, to end it all. She basically commits to ending it all once and for all. But they'll need someone who can tell them where the Red Room is. They head to Mason, a.k.a. Alfred's husband, (laughs) To get this like raggedy ass little jet. I don't know what what the technical term is, but I guess jet helicraft, I don't know. Get something, you know, that he's secured for them. And they plan to break Alexi, aka Red Guardian, out of jail. He's in there arm wrestling and literally breaking men's arm. Keep in mind he's a whole damn super soldier. When he gets a mail call that leads to some instructions for him to head towards like I think the door on the south side or something like that but he causes a whole commotion before he actually makes it outside this action scene is everything too like we get back to back action scenes in this movie and it's all just amazing we we get an avalanche we get Natasha's signature (laughs) fighting pose we get grenade launchers we get everything Ultimately, they get Alexi on that little piece of jet that they got. Unfortunately for them, though, he doesn't know where the Red Room actually is. They could have left his ass in Wentworth or Lynchfield or Oz or wherever the hell they got him from. But it does have the suggestion of, you know, let's go find Melina. You know, have you talked to Melina? Because Melina obviously was his right-hand man. She would know. They end up crashing the jet because they run out of fuel. So they got to walk to find Melina. He had told them that she probably knows where the red room is because, you know, she was Dracov's favorite scientist and favorite strategist. They cut away to Melina training some pigs to complete a maze. And this scene actually reminds me of the first Ant-Man movie. Remember Hank Pym showing Scott Lang, like, you know that scene with, like, the coffee, when they're putting the sugars in the coffee? He's showing him how the ants do all types of tasks just by communicating with them telepathically. Melina is using, like, a little, you know, tablet, though, which uh, actually comes into play later on in the movie. The funniest part of this scene, though, is when Alexi <laughs> is trying to put on that damn Red Guardian costume. Baby, he's, woof. Listen, that was me having to get dressed for the first time since COVID happened, okay? Even today, the day that I'm recording this podcast episode, 
I knew I was going to dinner later. And I was like, you know what? Let me not shade the hell out of myself by trying to fit into these damn jeans in my closet. Let me just, you know, take my ass to Target, buy some Levi's. Child, those damn Levi's didn't even have a price tag on them. And that lady rung that shit up and it was $60. I, uh-uh. I guess that's not bad, though, for jeans. But look, I've gotten accustomed to gym shorts, okay, over the past year. So I want my damn $60 back. Anyway. Melina tells them about how they stole this technology from Hydra. Like it was a Hydra front operating as a shield, but it was a lot. You know, she's telling them all this kind of stuff about the, the bad, bad history and how she got all this technology and all this kind of stuff. But the, this whole family dinner really kind of devolves when Natasha basically tells them they're all lying to themselves about, you know, them not being complicit. Yelena is basically super hurt because she was very young and she considered all of them family and the way that they're all talking they all kind of you know they mentioned the fact that they were only really together for three years before the mission was up so they can't really call themselves family and all that kind of stuff so her being the youngest out of the four she's crushed after telling her some backstory about how her mom gave her up but always came looking for her Melina tells Natasha that she's already, you know, alerted the Red Room and they're on their way. Lights flash outside, bright, bright, bright lights, and they <laughs> incapacitate Alexi with about 15 tranquilizer darts immediately. Uh, Yelena is ducked on the ground, but that man wasn't too damn far behind her. <laughs> I guess you need a lot of, you know, a lot to bring down a super soldier. As Yelena's walking through the house, she comes upon Natasha who has been knocked out, and a Melina, uh, you know, she first apologizes as she comes up on her, and then she shocks her. So now Yelena, uh, Yelena has now fallen on the ground, dead too. Not dead, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Suddenly, they're headed to the Red Room. We're officially, like, now in the last act of the movie. You know, I consider it three acts. We're now in the last act of the movie and Dracov is spilling his evil guts to Melina, who is immediately revealed to be Natasha after she uses the same tech that she used in Captain America when a soldier, you know, when she takes the, the stuff off the face and it was hiding her face, but she was there all along while the others are locked up. Well, everybody except Yelena, who is about to be operated on because, you know, to child she the stuff broke and you know the red room hypnotization and they like okay she not working right like she's supposed to be working so let's take her brain out and let's figure out what's going on with all these other ones and how we can stop this red vile mist mess from happening you know all that so now yelena is about to be uh tough titty <laughs> but you know she actually did have a knife on her that uh melina planted so she's able to use that and she's able to get out of that situation the entire final act was planned out perfectly by Melina and by Natasha before the Red Room descended on her house. The final act is mostly action, which is kind of hard to describe, but amazing to watch. So make sure that you don't rely just on like uh, recaps. You actually do watch these parts because they're amazing action sequences. But a few things we can pull out of it that we can like explicitly state. The biggest thing that we kind of get revealed is the identity of Taskmaster. It's Dracov's daughter that Natasha blew to hell with that bomb that she was used to trying to kill Dracov. 
Another thing to note is that Drakov actually has like a network of black widows across the globe. Not just the few that are like on site in the uh, the Red Room, but all over the globe, literally. They're able to free all of the widows that are on site, though, because Yelena actually wraps the vials in a grenade and then throws them when they're attacking uh, Natasha. And it explodes in the red mist, the kind of cloud of antidote goes all over them. And now all of them are mentally free as well. The movie ends with Taskmaster being freed as well and Natasha going to see Mason one more time. This time, he's gotten her like a a helicraft that we saw in uh, Infinity War, like that same one. There's, you know, the last one he got it was raggedy as hell, but this one is actually, you know, can be used. She's planning to go break some of the Avengers out of prison and help them towards like reconciliation like she wants to get the gang back together the whole group not the you know the tony versus cap thing but now i don't know if that ever happened because you know we started infinity war off and they were still lightweight beefing so you know we she did what she could okay she did what the, the hell she could do now let's talk about that post credit scene yelena goes to visit natasha's grave so obviously this is after the events of endgame She's saddened, you know, she's doing that that whistle that her and uh, Natasha used to do as kids. Did anybody else get like a, a Hunger Games flashback when they, <laughs> like I, I picture uh, who Katniss and uh, Boy with the Face going, <laughs> not Boy with the Face, going to uh, District 11 and throwing up the two fingers and <laughs> head ass. And so they doing all the, you know, she's doing all this and then suddenly, She's startled by none other than Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Now, for those of you who don't remember or didn't watch The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this is where she first appeared. She was the woman who recruited John Walker after he was stripped of the Captain America shield and uniform. Since Thunderbolt Ross kind of kicked this movie off for us, it seems as if she's like, still collecting anti-heroes for the Thunderbolts. It seems almost kind of like counterintuitive to what Samuel L. Jackson was doing in the early Avengers movies, appearing at the end of each film to kind of tell them, okay, now look now, I'm, you know, I'm collecting some people. I'm trying to put together a little squad, you know, squad up. I'm trying to put together a team. We're going to be the Avengers, you know, because Captain Marvel, you know, that's how we got our name. And, you know, it seems like she's doing that but maybe for a different group and the other only group that makes sense is either like the dark avengers maybe dark avengers or the thunderbolts thunderbolts is most likely what it is since thunderbolt ross is appearing and stuff now so we're just gonna we we'll find more about that later on we probably won't i guess we're leading up to a film or a series the same way we did you know with the first uh six or so avengers so i don't know we'll we'll see there's nothing that we can really predict on right now except that the thunderbolts are coming the thunderbolts are coming i don't know yelena however it already seems like she's working for her because like she's demanding a raise and like all this kind of stuff seems like they at least worked together previously i don't know if she's like under her employ but they've definitely worked together in the past this is when valentina goes into her purse, pulls out a tablet, and gives her her next target, Clint 
Barden, a.k.a. Hawkeye. Now we've got the Hawkeye Disney Plus series set up all raring to go. That's what I'm talking about. Haley Steinfeld, uh, uh, Jeremy Renner. This is going to be good. I think Echo is going to be in there. That's going to be a really good show, and I'm really ready to watch it. And now, I don't know if Clint is supposed to go past this movie or this series, I mean, or if he's supposed to like meet his you know, untimely demise by the end of it, but that's going to be fun to watch. I think Hawkeye comes out or is slated to come out later on this year. And I'm very excited about it. I know they've been filming like super heavily, but I think they're in post-production now. So we very well could get this in She-Hulk this year. No, maybe She-Hulk is early next year. Cause I think Miss Marvel and Hawkeye are still slated for 2021 i don't know they move shit around so much i can't keep up with marvel you know what let's just kind of hypothesize on a few implications that we think might be here right now that we can gain from this movie and talk about the mcu going forward the first kind of thing that we could hypothesize or pontificate upon is whether or not we think yelena is going to be a good guy or a bad guy going forward? Or will she be an anti-hero? You know, a little kind of a, a cross between the two. It's kind of hard to say. You know, she could either be like maybe a young Avenger. She's fairly young. I think the actress herself is only like 25 years old. So maybe, I mean, she could maybe be a young Avenger. I could see that working out. Or will she be a Thunderbolt? I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, she respected Natasha so much that she would want to go the good route. But from what we know in comics, she was always kind of trash. I don't know. I'm just saying a little bit trash, kind of trash. I don't know if it'll stay that way in the MCU. We know the MCU likes to kind of take their own direction, which I love. I don't need them just making a verbatim comic book movie. You can tell your mom I said it. I'm not taking it back. I said what I said. It's not changing over here. Okay. Valentina developing a team. Now I know I said then most likely it's the Thunderbolts. But are there other people that this could be? Thunderbolt Ross has been around, so that seems like the most obvious choice. We know Baron Zemo at the end of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier got taken to the raft as uh, to you know to live out his <laughs> the end of his days, and we know that Thunderbolt Ross handles the raft. So. There are a lot of implications because Zemo is definitely coming back to the MCU. He's going to be around. Daniel Brule's character is way too well received not to, you know, not to stick around. So we'll see how that goes. It, it Thunderbolts probably makes the most sense, but I don't know. Maybe Valentina is working for herself. I don't, she hasn't mentioned a boss or anything like that yet. But right now we've got maybe Zemo, we've got John Walker, and now we've got Yelena too. That's gonna shape up to be a pretty a pretty good team. They can go head to head with whatever you know, whatever version of the earthbound Avengers that would wind up with. You know, we've got Winter Soldier, we've got uh Captain America Sam Wilson. We'll have Shang Chi. I'm not counting the Eternals because they're not supposed to be sticking their nose in shit. Um, we got She-Hulk is coming, I guess. We got all these, you know, maybe, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know if what role Kamala and all of them will play, but maybe, uh, 
what's her name? Tiana Paris's character. Maybe Monica Rambeau will be more so on Earth, but she's gonna be so powerful that I don't know what I don't know where she'll end up being. Maybe Kamala Khan though. I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm. I wish we knew like what our first big team up movie was gonna be. But also, I kind of like being in the dark because I want see my voice is cracking. It's time for me to go to sleep. It, you know, I I want us to have a big team up movie, and I want them to tell us what it is. But I also kind of am enjoying the mystery and the the theorizing to try to you know kind of figure out what we think is gonna be. Thunderbolts makes the most sense, but I don't know. Lastly. Do we think we're going to get introduced to any more Black Widows? I mean, it would make sense. He, They made sure to mention quite a few times that there are several others all across the world. So maybe, you know, if Yelena gets her own flick, maybe this could be a, a setup for it. Maybe if she gets her own Disney Plus show. I don't know. I know Marvel's got a ton of things in the works. So if they can figure it out, I'm all about it. I love female-led action movies, especially ones that are executed like this. Black Widow, Atomic Blonde, uh, oh, what's that Jennifer Garner? Peppermint, uh, Anna. I love, like, I've, that's my zhuzh right there. I love it. So if they want to put Yelena in a lead role to do one of these kind of uh, more so serious spy flicks, James Bond-esque, Atomic Blonde-esque, Winter Soldier-esque kind of movies, I'm here for it. Y'all, that's all I got. Disney Plus, uh, IMAX, you gave me everything I need this weekend. You don't owe me a thing. Well, no, you owe me $30 for that high-ass premiere access shit I had to buy instead of just giving me the damn movie. You know what? Let me leave before I mess around and get pissed off at Disney. See ya! As always, thanks for listening. Want to support me for free? Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or CastBox and leave me a five-star rating and review. Need to contact me? Just email me, housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and all kinds of updates regarding the podcast. That's at housewivesmarvelpodcast. This is Kendrick, and I'll see ya! Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.